Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Have we all seen the trailer for the sloth killer sloth movie sloth thing? Against my will, because you showed me it 30 <laughs> seconds ago, Scott Tilford. <laughs> Hey, I didn't do it. Yeah, I was just going to stay quiet. But yeah. yeah, the word sloth did the rounds for a bit. There's, um, We got asked about this anyway from uh, Mr. JC. I'll also say this is the Untitled Banter Podcast, the UBP, the UBP, the UBP. I'm joined by Cy White and Josh Brown. Cy, how you doing? I'm all good. Lovely stuff. Josh, how you doing? Yeah, better now I've seen this trailer, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> See, we, okay, we talked about in uh, in Slack when we sent this to each other. I was just saying I can't get away with the whole it's so bad, it's good thing. I remember being life-scarred by the room, mainly because my now wife, then girlfriend, didn't tell me that it was terrible. She was just, oh, it's brilliant, you've got to see it, or you've got, there's nothing else like it, oh my God, you've got to see it. And then being sat in the cinema realizing what that movie was, I think that just completely awakened the side of me that was like, no, this is a living hell torture device and I need to get out. I hate anything like that. No, it's just just badly done. I like The Room, but when you look at this trailer, it's like, it's trying to be rubbish. It's it's just like, no, that's not fun. (laughs) It's only funny when it's accidentally crap. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I, that was the thing. I was like, I get what you're going for. It's it's like a bit. It, it does its thing, and then I'm kind of just out of it again. I thought that about what's that? What it, what we do in the shadows one as well. Oh, I know that's not in the same <laughs> ballpark. But I was just like, this thing would work better as like a two minute YouTube skit or like a YouTube short <laughs> or something. I don't I don't need the full thing. Do get that a lot, and I'm I'm with your side. Like when something's you know intentionally trying to be a so bad it's a good thing, then no, I need that level of earnest. to it in order for it to hit that level and make me endeared to it if you're trying to copy the room or whatever it is i think no that's artificial and it's not very good that said (laughs) going into the sloth trailer slother house as it's called expecting it to be one of those (laughs) i was kind of surprised that it had actual jokes and the jokes made me laugh it reminded me more of megan from earlier this year in the trailer the sloth Mm. is on social social media the sloth is like blending into the dolls slothful media and (laughs) and i can go for that if it's if it's a sloth trying to be a human influencer i'm kind of on board 
See that bit where it shows it. It's like on. It's like a mastermind that it's like look. It's on the computer and stuff. That was when it broke me because I was like, <sighs> I would rather it was a regular sloth with regular sloth abilities, and they're all terrified of it, and it's coming for them really slowly anyway. <laughs> My issue is having seen Corkane Bear earlier this year and hearing mm. so much about it and being incredibly disappointed because it wasn't silly enough for me. These things need to go full on <laughs> silly. They can't get by with what you just said of like a title and a premise alone because then yeah they might as well just be a trailer you need something to sustain it for 90 minutes i reckon it's true i think i mentioned i brought this question in specifically obviously the sloth trailer is doing the rounds on social media at the minute and also wanted dead is one of this year's i would say worst games by a considerable margin i think josh would also agree but he quite likes it and si i don't know if you've seen this game but I'm it's like just about vaguely aware of it. To be honest, it's like this thing. It's from a bunch of uh, X Ninja Gaiden and Dead or Alive developers, and they've sort of tried to make like a throwback to like <clears throat> kind of like late PS2, early 360 era action games, which should be right up my street, and it mm. absolutely is not. And I know Josh, you're liking it a hell of a lot more than I am. I am, and I'm going to talk to you. Don't you worry, brother. I'm going to talk to you <laughs> at length about this on uh, Monday's wind up, but I'll give everyone yes. a little tease now because I finished this the other night, and that you is... did in two sittings. Oh, One yeah, sitting? I did right. I, Going into this game, I'd heard so much about it being this so bad, it's good, weird piece of art, right? And I was well up for that. I did not expect to play it for six hours straight and really enjoy the combat. That was a huge surprise to me. Yeah, this I don't is... even think the developers played it for six hours straight, <laughs> let alone the public. Maybe not. This is a... Uh... I should add, by the way, we, we actually got copies of this game sent through, so yes. that was a really nice... Massive I've thank you. Experience this ...without the kind of um, price barrier to it. But even then, um, I really enjoyed it for its earnestness that we were just talking about. Like, it's genuinely weird. It's not artificially weird. It's not like, you know... A corporate attempt at being weird it's <laughs> weird through and through it does not make sense i don't understand 90 percent of it and yet and yet had a lot more fun with it than i did another game that came out this year maybe by the uh. name of final fantasy 16 that's not necessarily true though it is in part <laughs> shock that's a, horror that's a tease for next week <laughs> I fully expected this reality to unfold before our very eyes. Um, but yes, I mentioned before, this is the Untitled Banner Podcast. Massive thank you to everybody for sending in their various questions, talking points, etc. Um, so we'll get through as many as we can. First one from George Jackson, who says, Hello, Legends. Who is the most consistent developer in terms of great games, in your opinion? It's Naughty Dog for me, alongside Insomniac. Also, with Talk To Me being fantastic, 2023 is shaping up to be a great horror great horror movie year. So what's been your favorite horror so far? Si, most consistent developer in favorite horror. I'm just, I'm just going to say the Psy answer at the moment. I think it's Capcom are like just yeah, yeah. on a new level that they've never really been on before. They're mm-hmm. probably better now than they perhaps ever have been because, yeah, everybody's really excited about new Street Fighter. Resident Evil's really strong and they haven't made too many like big mistakes with it. All the rubbish stuff has just been a little like pointless multiplayer spin-offs. But in terms mm. of the big land, you know, Temple titles have all been good. Monster Hunter is probably bigger than it's ever been as well. So, yeah. I wish Exo Primal was was all right that's i mean it's all right point. i guess but... that's a good point us <laughs> yeah okay please, that's like the only misstep though they're sort of doing a beautiful gazelle like sprint and they've sort of like hit a twig or something that's about <laughs> it for the most part it's all right josh are you having as the most consistent all great shouts so far like my brain goes to naughty dog but i yeah. think in terms of 
pure consistency and pure volume, it's got to be From Software for me because they've released, mm. you know, seven or eight games plus DLC over the past decade or so. And all of them have been bangers for me, even Dark Souls 2, which I know has a bad reputation in some parts of the internet, but I really enjoyed. Got to that game way late when all the discourse had died down and managed to just enjoy it. So yeah, they've not missed for me. And I think in terms of producing not only great games, but some of my favorite games of all time, they're on a crazy run. Every other one they release yeah. seems to like etch its way into my top 20 of all time somehow. <laughs> I'd, um, I think for me, like, yeah, my default is Insomniac, so I just, I do think they are the best developer on planet Earth right now. I think they are incredibly consistent. However, I'll shout out Supergiant because I feel like they've mm. only gone strength to strength, like just going from uh, Bastion to Transistor to Pyre to Hades. Like, Hades was unbelievable and still is. Hades 2, I think, is next year. Um, but I just think, like, artistic integrity and the game mechanics and stuff that they have, they're just such memorable games and they've only gone, like I said, strength to strength. Let's have a round of horrors. I've seen Talk To Me, um, which was really, really good. I don't know if, um, Asai, have you got any horror recommendations or not? No. <laughs> <laughs> not a single one? I'm, so, I'm afraid not. I don't watch it. It's not. Ah. I, I, I tend to steer, I'm weird. I think I might have talked about this before. If I see, like, a clip from a horror movie online or something, what I will do is just go on Wikipedia and read the plot and then go, cool, glad I didn't watch that. <laughs> Andy Murray kind of does that. He's not, he like doesn't, actually no, I was going to say he's fine with horror games, but he's just like, get it away from me. It'll terrify me. I won't sleep for days. Just yeah. move it away from me. That's fine. Um, Josh, any horrors of the year? Oh man, I'm rubbing my hands and licking my lips at this question because <laughs> give me an excuse to talk about horror movies, which I often get over on the What Culture Horror channel, by the way. You should check that out. Plug, plug, um, plug, plug. Talk to me was great. You know, that was my most anticipated of the year, was looking forward to that a lot, and it managed to hit those expectations. Maybe my favourite time in the cinema this year with all of the... uh moments let's say that occur in that film that uh, <laughs> certainly um raise the uh raise the hairs on your skin let's say and um, that mm-hmm. was amazing i really enjoyed scream six i know a lot of people don't oh my God, like that, was this that as much as the other movies and i definitely agree that it has a disappointing ending but that was another surprise where i was so so on scream five i thought it was all right and then scream six for the first two thirds completely blew me away in terms of its tenacity and its violence and how nasty it got i thought that was a really really fun there's been a few Mm -hmm. others evil dead rise was a another big one i watched Mm -hmm. one called uh, the bone woman which was really really good as well i think it's been a good start for horror and there's a lot of good stuff on the horizon hopefully like uh, the last voyage of the demeter and saw x's this year you know there's a oh my god there is a new saw this there's year a new Scot- just... which... i'm like the sickos yes ha 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 meme at that <laughs> because for as bad as those movies get and for as convoluted as they get like i i love that and i like um Same. that this one is set between saw two and three so we're going back to john kramer and amanda from uh, like the early part of the series and i like that this one is just kind of saying he's a jigsaw side quest that we never talked about um, <laughs> and hopefully they have fun with it that whole thing where yeah i used to be like a huge saw fan i mean you've talked about it in real life before but it's one of those things where like i don't know like I don't know what they do for Saw 10. I hope they bring Dr. Gordon back. I know that like five people care about Saw lore, but of all the things that you can do to do like a really good 10th installment, I feel like you need to go all the way. I mean, they've already brought him back once, but just do like the full plot thing. Show he was involved from the beginning, almost, or whatever you need to do. Um, yeah, man would just be talking to me as well. I blanked that Scream was this year. In fact, I don't even think I could tell you what else came out this year. <laughs> I think I still have pandemic brain. It's all just one blur or a flat circle. Um, oh. Next question from Josh. Oh, sorry, carry on. If you on. will permit oh, me, just a quick plug. I actually yes. did my favorite 
favourite horror movies of the year so far over on What Culture Horror. It was before Talk to Me came out. That would be number one now, but there's my full list because I've no doubt film. I've forgotten mm. um, almost all of them, which is not good. But <laughs> yes, I uh, please watch it. Though everyone it, um, keeps talking about it, and I watched the trailer. I will admit, and I was like. I actually feel like I could enjoy this. Maybe not on the big screen. I might scream mm-hmm. myself into oblivion if I watch it on a big screen. But in a more comfortable environment, like it appeals to the Evil Dead fan in me. Like, mm, so yeah. I might have like, to give it a go. Initially, I thought it looked way too hokey, like this sort oh, of like, like paper mache hand thing. But um, it was one of those things where I just saw the reviews and Josh like vouched for it. So I was like, finally, give it a shot. And yeah, it's brilliant. I'll say it's the best horror of the year, mainly because I can't remember any of the horrors from this year. <laughs> but it is very good. Question from Josh Sloan, who says, Happy UB3, as convenient as using fast travel can be, does it also indicate that a game world is inherently uninteresting if we want to skip journeying through it? That's like a gaming habits thing. Like, Do you tend to skip once you've got fast travel unlocked? Once I've been through an area enough, then I will. You know, if I'm just mopping things up. But what I like is a game that doesn't initially give you fast travel then might give you it later on so it kind of encourages you to explore the world and then it'll say okay now you've seen 90 percent of the map we can let Mm. you go back and forth my biggest bugbear about um modern assassin's creed games and kind of ubisoft games in general is that the maps almost seem designed to be skipped there are so there's so much blank space and mm. in those games, in my opinion, like I hate it when you're just kind of roaming through an endless forest that appears to be copied and pasted and there's nothing <laughs> interesting to see. It just kind of feels like you're wasting your time. Whereas my preferred approach to open world games is what Rockstar does um, in giving you some kind of fast travel systems. Like maybe you can jump on a, a, a train and it'll take you to a different point in the map, but they really encourage you to live in that space, to memorize those streets, to get familiar mm. with the iconography and kind of uh, work your way around the environment in the way that you would do a real life environment almost. And I always prefer that. If I come away from an open world game, not remembering the open world, I kind of feel like that's a fundamental failing of it. Yeah, that's true. So much stuff. I feel like over the years, there was like the advent of like speed tree and all these sort of auto-generative systems across the late twenty, late 2000s, early 2010s and stuff. Um, and yeah, I just, I will fast travel everywhere. It depends what I'm doing, but it's like, I'll, I'll give you a map like a once through. Um, and then it's a certain size where I just can't, I can't remember it the same way. Um, we've talked about this loads over the years, but I always prefer the original 3D GTA maps because they're so much more like little toy boxes and I can remember everything and I can take advantage of all those different routes and make my own shortcuts and everything else whereas something like gta 5 or red dead redemption 2 i could i couldn't tell you how that map comes together other than the vaguest regions of it but um so what do you think yeah i mean i generally agree on all points there and what you were saying about like sort of baked in parts of games where it's like the fast travel makes sense and stuff like that's really cool like with spider-man in particular the maps are not particularly big are they but i did mm. like i, I kind of wish they'd taken out the option to fast travel in the menu and you just have to go to a subway station if you really want to do it like that was like kind of doing that out. was kind of cute and like mm-hmm. but yeah well i'm not a big fan of it just being in the uh, options as well my things like with them um, the new systems in the ssd and all the auto and instant loading mm-hmm. stuff like i love in final fantasy 16 how it's just pick a place you're there in like a second yeah. and like to me that encourages me to do side quests and dip in do a little bit and jump over here and do everything else and i quite like that sort of like late game rush of just mopping everything up and darting between like 20 different things and, and clearing it all up so like in a way i kind of encourage fast travel but it definitely is at odds with the idea of an immersive open world yes um but it needs to give you something 
something to get from place to place. If the actual traversal was fun, like the wingsuit in Spidey 2 should be really fun or swinging in Spidey was really fun anyway, then that, I think the, there has to be more of an impetus on like how am I getting from place to place? You're, if it's just yeah. running or whatever, then yeah. So spot on because I just keep Thank going you. back to the Horizon games and like Horizon Zero Dawn, I basically didn't fast travel until, as Josh said at the end of the game, where I was just like picking up collectibles and stuff and I was like, I just need to be here, here and here and then I'm done. Mm -hmm. um, and also, because it was a PS4 game, the loading screens were a lot more noticeable compared to something like Forbidden West on PS5 where it is pretty much instantaneous. Which kind of made me, yeah, like you said, Scott, I'll go through it once or twice maybe and then I'm like, ah, well, unless there's an objective on my path towards the place I'm actually getting to, I mm -hmm. might as well just fast travel. Um, so I did it a lot in the second game, up until the point they gave me the flying mount right at the end of the game. If that had come, the sooner, the <laughs> if that had come sooner, I would have basically never fast traveled because it's so quick to move around the world and really cool, just because mm -hmm. it's obviously a gorgeous open world. Mm -hmm. And that's the one thing you're missing out on from going through it, you know, multiple times, running back and forth. Being able to fly over all of it which is spectacular so yeah give I, me that I, earlier come on yeah i couldn't believe they did that like i, just, I mean i had like some side stuff to do I, I was doing that game for review anyway so i sort of just got through it for the review but then mm -hmm. at the end i was like well i why yeah why not just give me this at least a couple of hours ago or something um question from jack jingle who says i play a lot of point and click adventure titles and i recently heard it described as a cozy genre hence its niche popularity which i quite liked what other genres fit that bill and are any games coming to mind i feel like the cozy genre is exploding at the minute i feel like i see it on all sorts of storefronts now in a way that i didn't before and it makes me realize that whole like all oh, the companies have realized thing where like there's there's enough stardew clones or there's enough yes. sort of farming sims in general um or enough sort of like repetitive style games where they can box it in and be like oh isn't this like a, a love laugh live sign made interactive or whatever and there's something about that that always makes me go oh no you've you've made it to company corpo um but it's not to discount the quality of those games stardew valley i've got like 400 hours in but um yeah what are each of you i guess like, what do you think about that stuff yeah, yeah, it's funny. You just described like 80% of Nintendo Directs. Like, <laughs> they're just farming simulator Directs. Yeah. There's so many of them. Harvestella. Yeah, because as you say, so many companies have realized that they're successful with Stardew and Animal Crossing as well. Obviously quite mm. similar, different enough, mm -hmm. but that's always came across to me as incredibly cozy. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you what's in, what I think is an emerging genre, which I don't know what we're calling it, but it's the Vampire Survivors genre. Mm. I feel like that's sort it's of all mindless kind of... Yeah, because it's like Vampire Survivors is one, and then there's the new Tomb Raider that's on mobile, and there's the new Doom game on mobile, and mm. they all play like Vampire Survivors. They're all automated, and you're just moving through power-ups to then trigger bigger sets of animations from the middle of the screen kind of thing. They're kind of like old um, shmups in a weird way, aren't they? Yeah, kind of like yeah. shmups. It's like the, I think helps. they call it like a, like a reverse bullet hell or something, because mm. everything's coming outwards from you. Yeah. And then there's another one that just got added, I think, to Game Pass or maybe Nintendo Switch, where it's called something else Survivors. Um, and I was like, oh, that's it's another one of them. And I was like, oh, it's just like the Survivors genre? Because I feel like the, the Soul <laughs> genre took ages to be named and we sort of call it Soulsborne or Soulsborne Kiro did the rounds like across 2018 for, or 2019 for a bit but um, Josh what do you think of all this cozy nonsense my girlfriend <laughs> is absolutely in love with cozy games and she gets all of her recommendations from the cozy games TikTok uh, TikTok uh, out see. there who recommend she loves all of these lives. she sadly does not but she does like <laughs> a few of these titles including one that you've just played Scott Telford she's looking forward to is it uh, the cooking one that you've just been through? Vember? Yes, yes, yes. Oh, Vember's incredible, yeah. Which looks amazing. I just kind of like anything with a nice cozy vibe and a nice little narrative, probably about family, maybe about cooking, to kind of get lost in. <laughs> I think it's just a nice thing to play, kind of yeah. after work, really relaxing, really good. Um, she played one in June, which is actually on my radar now, and I'm definitely going to get to it at some point. I can't remember the name, but it's about... Is it Dordogne? Yeah, 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 yeah. 
Can mm. you say that again? Because I, I forget I how to pronounce it. I think it's pronounced Dordogne. That's it's like it. D-O-R-D-O-G-N-E. Yeah, Dordogne. It's about a, uh, like a, I guess it's a French, named after a French town, I think. And it's about this family mm. and this person's relationship with their grandma. And it's kind of like told through memory. And it's about like grief and kind of loss and all of that good stuff. And that, ever since you talked about that, I'm like, I need to play that game. You know, it sounds mm-hmm. really interesting. So I'm kind of all for cozy games. I think, you know, uh, the fact that these storefronts have kind of finally become clued into that kind of ability or that kind of framing and that kind of subgenre, I guess you could call it, is like, is cool because get them all grouped together, make sure people like me who don't go on TikTok know that they exist and uh, maybe I'll be able to play them and uh, get them yeah. recommended to me. My thing is, yeah, like, I, I love cozy games. I mean, I love farming games for the most part. It's just like, I, it's just that thing where you realize that they've been noticed, like the, the nice little innocent thing's been noticed. And obviously, I mean, Stardew was like seven years ago, so it's like, it's a long time coming. But I feel like when we, like Sai said, when you watch the Nintendo streams, like every other game is a farming sim. Mm-hmm. There was a recent, um, I think maybe it was Nintendo's or maybe it was one of the Xbox one or the PlayStation ones where like 80% of the game shown had farming mechanics or some sort of harvest mechanic thing. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Before we go any further, I want to talk to you about today's sponsor, Masterclass. With the amount of time we spend discussing and analyzing video games on this channel, it's always good to understand exactly how these experiences are put together. And fortunately for me, I can do just that with Masterclass. With Masterclass's streaming service, you can learn from the best to become your best, studying and growing with over 200 plus of the world's leading instructors. For me, I've been having a blast using a class on video game design by The Sims creator Will Wright to find out exactly how game mechanics are designed around player psychology as well as learning how important playtesting is to shipping the titles that you and I both love. But it hasn't stopped there, as I've also been brushing up on my practical filmmaking skills directly from my favourite movie director Martin Scorsese, as well as trying to get back in the cooking game with Roy Choi's amazing course on intuitive cooking. Seriously, my kitchen is a mess, but my belly has never been more grateful. 
For just $10 a month, an annual membership with Masterclass gets you unlimited access to courses on your phone, computer, smart TV, or even via audio-only modes. Even better, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, and 88% of members feel that the service has made a positive impact on their lives. And to put the cherry on top of that cake, right now, What Culture Gaming listeners get an additional 15% off any annual membership at masterclass.com forward slash gaming. That's 15% off at masterclass.com slash gaming. What's that? You want it one more time? Well, that's the URL masterclass.com forward slash gaming. Right, now I'm going to watch Tony Hawk try to teach me how to ollie properly. I'll see you all soon. Um, but yeah, overall, I, I just I, just because Josh mentioned Vember, that game's gorgeous. Um, I hugely recommend it. Like you said, it's based around cooking, but there's some really good narrative stuff in there about what cooking means to people. I think if you're a foodie, um, it's essential. And I think they do so many nice little things with the game mechanics in regards to how you make the recipes. I did that thing in one sitting. It's not very long, um, about an hour, if that. Um, but it's very recommendable. Um, a question from Gigantor who says, do you think the PlayStation 5 handheld will be a flop? Also, is the PSVR 2 even worth it at the current price? It's the price of a PS5. Everything Sweet Sony Jesus. makes that isn't like a mainline console is kind of a flop, right? Like they just <laughs> have no interest in supporting their peripherals no. or their kind of side consoles or their handhelds or whatever. So I can't imagine that the, even though I'm looking forward to it, that this PS5 handheld is going to sell like a Nintendo handheld would or even their own handheld would if they put the kind of effort into marketing that they do every other thing, every everything else that they do and makes up their business. It's, a, it's such a shame, man. Yeah. I just, so what do you think of the, it's called the Cube? Light or something? It's the Some stream only Project tablet Q, thing. Project Q, yeah. Yeah. What's the, who asked this question? Sorry, what was their name? This is from Gigantor. Gigantor, do not do Sony the diligence of calling it a handheld. <laughs> it's not a handheld, is it? Was the Wii U a handheld? It's just, it's not. It's just a controller just with yeah, a screen you picked in it. Up. It's like you can't go anywhere with it. Rubbish. Yeah, <laughs> that's the stupidest thing I've ever seen. I know that's just an obvious, you know, opinion, but like, I think everyone just went. What is this? Well, okay, we're, what, what we're talking you... for weeks beforehand about a new Sony handheld, and it was just, mm-hmm. yeah, a, a controller that had eaten a screen. It was just rubbish. I was going to say, what did you think of the design of it? Like, because me and Josh went back and forward on it, because obviously there is a really, like, obvious usability to it. I personally hate the thing because it looks terrible to me, but, like, I totally get the usability side of it. I get Yeah, I'm being harsh on it. I mean, for accessibility and stuff like that, it might be really cool. Um, but True. I just it does not have mass market appeal and I think that's probably going to become readily apparent when they stop bothering to do any marketing for it very quickly because <laughs> <laughs> I just don't think people you know wider gaming wise it's not you know totally worthless as I say but it's mm-hmm. not a major player in the sort of Sony ecosystem if you I'm like. kind of like I'm fascinated by because obviously right now right now in real time you could go stream something to your phone or a tablet or any other screen or whatever you want to do and so I'm curious and it's not a perfect system like whenever I've tried it in the past I tried playing Spider-Man on my phone and it does kind of you get a bit of screen tearing you know it's not this mm-hmm. incredible experience and so I'm curious because I'm pretty sure the Q, I keep wanting to call it the Cupid but that's what the thing in Death Stranding is called but this Q system thing um, I wonder if that has whatever tech insight to somehow smooth it over like i don't think so because it pretty much just is like you said a tablet with a controller sliced onto it's it it's just but, occurred to me what yeah. this is isn't it because you can get game pass on your phone and just play it with yeah. your xbox control this is basically what this, this is their response to that <laughs> that just never occurred to me that's clearly what this is As all, you say, all sony ever do is just 
like look at a thing that's working and go, we can do a bit of that, but cheaper. Like the PlayStation <laughs> yeah. VR motion controllers just being the old, uh, the ones or whatever. But hey. um, yeah, I, there is that. Not anymore. The PSVR 2 <laughs> for the second part of this question. Yeah, it is worth that amount of money. And I'd go one step further, you know, and I'd say the reason it's worth that amount of money is because there are more VR exclusive games to play right now than there probably are PS5 exclusive games to play right now. <laughs> yes, Ooh, they that's, might probably not a, that's a really good point. Exclusive to the PSVR too, but VR as a whole, you know, you jump into that ecosystem and there's so much to get lost in. Like I've barely scratched the surface of the releases this year just because I've been trying to keep up with regular console releases, but every time Every month when they announce, you know, what's coming for the for those couple of weeks, I, I always just kind of get a pang of anxiety because I want to play them, but there's too much mm-hmm. to get to. And I, <laughs> you know me, I, I think it's a really good piece of kit as well. I think it's really impressive. Um, I and wish it, this is costly, what they launched with. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like if this, if this is what they had back in, was it 2017 for the first one? Yes. Um, I think so. I think so. Oh, yeah. it's Resi like, so 7 six was 2017, right? So it must have been around yes. the same time, so... Like, if they'd launched with this, they would have made such waves. Like, it would be, like, the essential, oh, my God, you're plugging into another world kind of thing, which I know this is, but um, I think the price puts some people off or, like, the lack of most first-party stuff, I guess. Maybe when they finally get there with that, it'll be an easier sell, but the tech is incredible. Um, Jack Anto also said that they've seen the rumors about a God of War 1 remake. Um, they're the biggest God of War fan, and I don't want this. <laughs> yes, modern remakes are great, but some games need to be left alone, um, which I also wanted to throw in. And um, There's a question from the 213th Gunner of 2023 who says, when is it acceptable? to remake a game. Remakes like the Super Mario RPG feel fresh and exciting because the original is 27 years old, but The Last of Us 2 felt like a cheap... Sorry, The Last of Us feels like a cheap money grab due to its relative recentness. I said two there because The Last of Us 2 remake is also apparently mm. coming. Um, the Horizon remake is also apparently uh. coming as well. <laughs> but it's like, where do you draw the line on it, I guess? Ooh, go on, Sai. I mean, yeah, it's... It's an interesting one because it's like, is it a console generation thing or is it an amount of time thing? And when you... Look at something like The Last of Us, which turned 10 this summer, only just. Um, When you go back 10 years ago to when The Last of Us was new in that case, Super Mario RPG is that example. It was already 17 years old. So I would have taken an RPG, uh, a remake for Super Mario RPG then, let alone now. That's true. So maybe it's it's sort of around 15 years, because you've got to think, if The Last of Us is 10 years now, in five years' time, we're probably... I guess, at the start of the next console generation. At which yeah. point, it might have been more appropriate. Whereas now, yeah, everyone quite rightfully went, it's a little bit soon. And we're not They'll having the big... One exactly. Well, there's that as well, yeah. Uh, we're not having the big jump in graphical fidelity or whatever, obviously, that we had sort of in the early 2000s and stuff like that. And it sort of necessitates uh, remakes as much as... Yeah, because the difference between The Last of Us and The Last of Us Part 1 was... Mm-hmm. kind of meh, you know meh, whatever I think the, the thing with like remaking <laughs> the thing is I just I kind of literally just think it's the cash grab stuff it's just sort of like we can't do this and you'll pay it like yeah. if it's, the, it's every other company noticing what Nintendo do and we talked about this on the, the main podcast this week about just how much Nintendo get away with um, and I feel like it's other companies like Sony going like we can put another version of this out and charge and it's whatever that price tag is is how much of a backlash there is um, but the Last of Us PS5 version did sell really well and I think obviously it was they needed something alongside the TV show and stuff um, they wanted to and so for me i just i think they're just testing the waters like if they did a, another upgraded version of anything that came out on playstation 4 like the original god of war um so the 2018 god of war then you can just do a ps5 version and then charge for it they tried with the director's cuts and then they've done the last of us stuff and it's like the price fluctuates each time but i think they're just trying to see what they can actually get away with yeah definitely i think it's i mean there's so many different factors one for me is just how accessible is the original game any 
anyway. Yeah. And with The Last of Us, you know, that got a remaster on PS4 that was, you know, really solid and still held mm-hmm. up by the time part one, the remake, came along. You know, it was in it was readily available. People were still buying it. It was there. So I feel like that definitely put people <clears> off. I feel like if The Last of Us was stuck on the PS3, people would have been way more open to the full mm. remake treatment that soon because, you know, who's going to go out and buy a PlayStation 3 to play one game that's locked on it? Looking at you, mm. Metal Gear Solid 4, you know what I mean? <laughs> but that having, having it be on every platform... Um, I think definitely put people off and rightly so and it kind of sucks because part one is a great game and it's a great remake I think but it's way too soon it's definitely unneeded and I can totally sympathize with the backlash to it because it does feel like a cash grab even though I would argue that love has been poured into the development I think from the top Mm -hmm. down people were definitely looking at it and going we've got a tv show we've got the last of us part two that we kind of want to hit parity with why don't we get you know this thing out on the other hand I think time doesn't necessarily matter if you're doing something ambitious with a remake. You know, for me, Resident Evil Mm. 4 remake, though it has a lot of similarities with the original, obviously, is such a hugely different beast that if that game came out five years after the original or ten years after the original, I kind of wouldn't have batted an eyelid. Same as... uh, the GameCube version of Resident Evil, you know, Resident Evil 1, that came out, like, quite shortly Six after. years, yeah. Six years after the original. Yeah, crazy. And I'm sure there was a backlash at the time, but now it kind of feels like it's not even brought into the equation, I don't think, because it is such a different beast and it is such an overhaul that you can kind of appreciate it. And you can, you can more importantly, I think, see where your money's going, which I think is integral to, like you said, Scott, like, mm. what people accept and what people don't. Yeah, I think like down that regard, it's it's the does it feel like it needed it? Does it feel like there's more to that vision that we didn't get? Like the original Resident Evil is like obviously blocky as hell. It's loved, it's so charming, and everyone fell in love with it and everything. But it is very blocky. Like there's the weird stilted voice acting, again, very charming, but whatever. There's like things you can go back to and tweak it a bit. Whereas like Horizon and like doing another version of The Last of Us 2, or these sort of already super cinematic, high quality, already expensive full price games. Um, get the back. I feel like get the backlash because people are just like, well, they're already complete. What else are you going to do other than just sell us this again? But it's a bit shinier um, or a bit better frame rate or whatever. Whereas like the Super Mario RPG, that's an interesting one right now because there are some circles across like social media on the Nintendo forums and stuff on Reddit and stuff saying like this is a really old game. Like obviously it's from the early nineties. The guts of it are going to be the same. We're paying. We're going to be paying sixty pounds or whatever dollars just for a, a lick of paint. Now I, that's a whole going to be a whole thing when it's released. But yeah, Sai, what do you think I, I don't know. I don't remember if it ever got onto the Wii Shop or whatever. To it's Mario on the um, this SNES Mini, but I think that's right. it. Right, okay. Because I know obviously being developed by Square in partnership with Nintendo property, it makes it a tad more difficult to do these mm-hmm. kinds of things. But yeah, to that point of the original games, it's an N64 game. I'm kind of glad if it's going to be run basically the same, but shiny, because I've never had a chance to play it. And I, I oh, okay. and Josh, to your point, that's exactly why I just want a chance to play it. Just give me the ability to play it. Same. Whereas... Something like, you know, part of this, uh, the beginning of this conversation was about the original God of War games. I don't need a remake of those. Just put, <laughs> make, just make them available to play. I just, I, I feel like a master's you know, collection, like the MGS. I hope a lot of things look at that, you know, masterpiece collection or whatever it's called, the Metal Gear Solid one, and go, oh, we yeah. can just do one of them. Just do that with God of War, and I will buy it day one. For the first yeah, three I would agree. I think it's just that there's a great, there's a there's a room for opportunity there where I think some business person sort of leans in the room and goes, "Are you charging for that? Are you just doing a, a frame rate availability? <laughs> yeah. Are we just relisting it? Are we not going to charge for it because they yeah. will pay it?" 
And I feel like that's what they keep trying and we keep paying for it. So it, it just keeps coming out that way. Mm. Um, I quite like what Sony started doing with the director's cut stuff. Like we got Ghost of Sushma, we got um, Death Stranding, and I think that's been it. But there's like, there's an, a, a hope with Last of Us 2 coming around again that maybe we'll get an extra little bit of story because Last yeah. of Us 1 got left behind. So maybe they do something for that. Um, but yeah, I feel like, you know, it's, it is just one of those things where they'll try and see what they can get away with first. Um, question from Zach who says, what are your comfort games that you can always go back to and relax to? Do they change depending on your mood? I think that I think mine would have to be Banjo-Kazooie. I love throwing it on and living in the world with YouTube or something else on in the background. Hashtag two-screen gang. <laughs> I love two-screen gang. Sai, si, I've never asked your thoughts on this, but um, I don't think, and maybe I have and my mind's forgotten, but are you a two-screen fan? Do you have multiple feeds on? No, I once? think I've talked about this before where it's just like, <laughs> if you've got something else on while you're playing the game, I don't know what you're doing, but what's gone wrong in your life? You know, If you've played a game before in this case like that's completely fine like uh, but for a fresh experience i cannot get behind putting your, your own music just, on or whatever you're sometimes it's just you know you do an open world if, side if do, quest yeah stuff. if you're doing a grind yeah. or whatever it's not so bad but like it i just can't some people do it you know on their first fresh playthrough or whatever some like, people some weirdos yeah can't imagine them and be a comfort stuff i mean um yeah. An obvious answer would be just to say my favourite game because I play it all over the time, which is Resident Evil 2, the original, which shouldn't nice. be a comfort game, really, should it? But uh, yeah, I mean, it is because I played it so many times. But it's I'm really glad they said Banjo Kazooie because it made me think Mario 64 is one of those for those. Yeah. It's just something warm. I'm terrible at that game sometimes. I can get really mad at it. The later, I, you know, the further mm. into that game you get, the easier it is to like fall off a cliff and hate your life. Um, but the there is something like, really yeah. warm and just. I, I'm sure it's nostalgia, but like that is definitely a game I'll play every few years. And yeah, it will be cozy. Mine's like stuff that is sort of a harness to a certain level of nostalgia where it's like intense and it's nigh on time travel. Like I remember mm. like being a, it's a certain Christmas morning or a certain birthday or a certain year or whatever and everything was okay. Like it was just one of those things. And <laughs> the it's before like, times. Yeah, the before times. And it, it has to be something like that. So it's like it's it's like Persona 4 or like like Mario 64, like you said, is really good, but it would be the it would be Crash 3. It would be one of the original right, yeah. um, PS1 games. There's something about polygonal stuff, especially just PS1 classics um, that massively take me back. Uh, it is weird though, just to throw in you said about resident evil 2 and that's like a, yeah. a weird comfort thing the first dark souls is massively comforting to me i don't know why because <laughs> okay. that game was abrasive as hell but like after getting through it and it was such an ordeal to get through the thing for whatever reason i just used to put that back on and just so it was really easy to just just play back through it's very comforting style of game and josh i know you played through every single souls game in a row there's something about those mechanics that are like i don't know you can become almost symbiotically connected to them and just get through a whole bunch of those games with a corresponding podcast or album on <laughs> but still there's a way to do that yeah it's dark souls for me as well to be honest like that's the game that Mm. i go back to so often played through it seemingly endless amounts of times by now and like just exactly what you said there scott you know it's it it puts you in a certain headspace it it puts you in a certain mechanical rhythm that i find strangely comforting now that i've been through it now that i know all of the secrets and know all of the enemies kind of inside out i just think as a world the almost depressing bleakness and emptiness of it um is i find weirdly serene you know like the lack of music Mm. the uh like i said the rhythm that it puts you in not only in the combat but in the sound effects that are kind of popping off you know the familiarity of it the melody of it if i if you allow me to get a bit pretentious for a second i don't know does something to my brain um and it's just a world that i like to visit now and again (laughs) There's you some want to live there, taming. Nah, definitely <laughs> not. 
<laughs> there is something about like taming such a weird, mm. awkward thing the first time through that then sort of just lets you sit there um, and kind of just enjoy it. Um, question from Shu, unless I haven't copied across their entire word, their entire name, it's just SH is what I've got down here. After finally completing all the mainline Final Fantasies, what spin-offs would you recommend to dive into? And I included this because Sai, you're also a Final Fantasy fan. Um, any of the spin-offs other than Tactics? Because my mind goes to like Dirge of Cerberus. And I'm not going to oh, recommend no, that to you. don't do that to someone. <laughs> um, yeah, Tactics is, I think, the obvious one. Also, mm-hmm. Like, I mean, it's, okay, let me expand on that first. But just like if you were a fan of 12, you may well like Tactics. It takes place in that world. It has a lot of similar music and just like, yeah, it's. Does that, it, what's it, that it came 12? Up, it came that spin off one as well. Uh, Revenant Wings, yes. a DS game. I remember buying that, playing it for a bit, and then just like giving it to someone. So <laughs> I wouldn't recommend that, clearly. Um, but yeah, but I mean, as well, props for getting through all the mainline Final Fantasy games. I've grown up with that series, and I've not played them all. So you know. well, so right now, I don't know if um, if Shur has also gone through them, but I've recently this year I just played all of them. All of them, only ones I haven't done now are two and three mm-hmm. and five. But I've done, I, I've mapped over all the rest of them. All the pixel remasters are out now, um, and I recommend the original to be honest. But in the pixel remaster form, not the original original. Right, right. That's weird. But the pixel remaster of the original is brilliant. The the other one for uh, spin off to recommend is any of the the rhythm games. Because especially yes. if you've played all the series now, you may well be familiar with the soundtracks, and it, they are just rhythm games based on Final Fantasy music. They are yep. ludicrously simple, but Final Fantasy, in terms of if you had to pick one franchise with the best music full stop, it's mm-hmm. absolutely in the conversation because it's got that giant legacy and history that you to mm-hmm. pick into. And I think the recent one. Is it called Curtain Call? It came out this year. I was going to say it's, it's Final Bar Line. Is the that's, one that's the on one? Switch. Yeah. Um, I haven't got it yet. I'm waiting for it to sort of be on sale before I pick oh, it up. Oh, it's heaven. <laughs> admittedly, because I played the other two, and I'm, I'm not paying full price for just another one with more songs mm. in. Admittedly, but the song it's there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of songs in there. I'm so excited to get it one day. Oh, honestly, like oh. I feel what I traded in to get that, barely knowing what it was, but just going, oh, you can play the Final Fantasy music. That's cool. And like I just come from, um, I, I just came from the Final Fantasy cafe in Tokyo so I was like well I want to do a whole Final Fantasy nice. thing and I was playing the old games the pixel remasters and then I would finish one of the games and then go into Theatre Rhythm and play through the soundtrack and then just go to another game and keep going um, but yeah Theatre Rhythm Final Bar Line I think it was on our most overlooked games of the year um, that we did a video on a few weeks ago just because playing through that entire 30 year catalogue is absolutely gorgeous mm-hmm. um, can't recommend it enough Final question from Juan Castaneda, who says, what game do you love in theory, story, direction, voice acting, etc., but it's let down by its gameplay? For me, I love Yakuza Judgment. What the? That's me adding what the hell. But it is let down by its repetitive gameplay and world. I regret reading this question now, Juan Castaneda. I can't believe you've done this. Wow, after so many years have you recommended me this game, Scott? Like, it's suddenly gone to the bottom of the pile now. (laughs) (sighs) Juan Castaneda casting judgment more like. That's a great question. I mean, I feel like there are so many trying to get through right now, and I hate to say it, I'll think of a better one, but it's kind of, it's Final Fantasy yours right now. Yeah, unfortunately, like that's a game that I think of fondly, but didn't necessarily enjoy playing for for its, for its duration. Anyway, there was a lot of uh, sections within that game that I didn't quite vibe with, but more so. Um, it was actually Final Fantasy VII Remake, a game that now I love, but playing it, I did not love. There were so many sections <laughs> of that game where I just wanted to rage quit. 
but now I will recommend it to everyone and say what a great game it was. It's weird how that works, isn't it? It's funny. <laughs> Sometimes about like when you hit credits and you look back on the whole thing, once you're free of whatever that thing was that was annoying you, it can like meet stuff out a little bit. Not in Returnal's case. I still hate it. But it depends, <laughs> depends what it was. Side, do you have anything that the gameplay lets it down? Oh, God, here we go. Um, <laughs> let's do it. Let's rip the Band-Aid off. And I've definitely alluded to this in the past. But And this is me saying that I personally don't get on with these games. I'm not saying they're terrible because we spent the podcast talking about how great and how comfy they are. I just uh-huh. don't care and don't enjoy Soulsborne games whatsoever. <gasps> any, ah. of any of them at all that I've played. <laughs> uh, I tried them. Uh, Bloodborne was one of the ones that was free on the PlayStation Plus thing or whatever at one point. Um, mm-hmm. And especially like look, the style of that game looks incredible and I'd probably love the sort of deep and dark lore of it all and the mystery and stuff like that. It looks great. Uh, I put two hours into it, and it was the most miserable two hours of gameplay of my life. I just, I just couldn't get on with it, and that's, you know, skill issue. That's a me problem, nah. whatever. Like, it's clearly not for me. I've tried. I want to enjoy it, but yeah, I, it's nice to look at. I'd probably enjoy watching someone play it. I just can't. Yeah. Get, I just cannot get on with it. I remember, um, was Elden Ring last year? My memory cannot process time. Elden Ring was last year, I think. Yeah. And um, I remember our editor, Dan Durkin, saying that, because obviously, obviously everyone was recommending that game, and he played it for about 20, 25 minutes. So he kept trying to fight that first boss over and over again. He was like, this is horrible. This is the most horrible yep. thing I've ever interacted with. Um, it's very easy to bounce off that stuff. Dan record, we did a chatty face for something, and I can't remember. It was the video game controversial opinion that's going to get you, you know, <laughs> thrown <laughs> off the channel, or whatever the title was. Uh-huh. <laughs> and watching him, complain about Elden Ring and everyone else like shouting him down and I'm standing there like Dan is right Dan's right <laughs> oh it happens you do an endurance run at some point for charity or something oh that sounds fun if I could interject I think I've got one and it's um, Obsidian's yeah. Alpha Protocol which on paper Ooh. is an interesting spy RPG but in practice has a lot of issues with the combat yeah. and the structure and a lot of bugs as well and that's one mm. where the components are there, you know what I mean? Like, it should be something you can love. And a lot of people do love it, but definitely in spite of its of its flaws. It's one that I love watching video essays on, and I love watching people play through, but could never commit to going through the entirety of it itself because I just bounced straight off it when I actually tried all those years ago. Mm-hmm. I, like, you know when you're a bit younger, or sometimes, I don't know, sometimes you love a game so much that you just can't believe that that certain part of it is just bad. Like, I had that with Alpha Protocol where the aiming is terrible. Yeah. Like, it's always like nine times out of ten you'll just miss because aiming is a dice roll. So even if you're right next to someone, it has to do a roll to see if the bullet would actually connect. And I always remember just thinking like, well, you know, you're like a rookie. So it's like you're like new to, you're new to shooting or whatever. So that's <laughs> fine. And I forced myself through all of Alpha Protocol. I still love that game. And um, I was always hoping that after Obsidian went to Microsoft or Xbox that they would put it back out again um, and like touch it up, do a sequel, do something. It was in their highlight reel when they got bought. Um, but yeah, Alpha Protocol is a great shout because that game's gameplay is a bit of a mess. Um, I think for mine, I'll just have Wanted Dead again because I've tried that game twice. I've installed it, played for about 10 minutes. I, I would want to play it, love to play more, but I can't get past that first level. <laughs> I keep dying. It kicks me back to the start. And then I'm just like, this feels like actual death. And I delete it and I reinstall it again. I'm like, no, it must be me. And it's not. It's the game, Josh. It's the game. <laughs> we will talk more about that on Monday, my friend, whether you like it the or game not. Is the thing. 
I definitely want to. I want to address it more. I miss the golden age of the the dead to rights, the dark sectors of the world, and I wish there were more of them. <laughs> that was a great era, wasn't it, for um, yeah. games that are good in theory but not necessarily good in practice? You know, where they had all of these <laughs> cool original ideas, really uh, fascinating gimmicks, and then they played like everything else, and it's like, ah, oh, you were so close. With a bit more development time, <laughs> you could have had something here. It was like the uh, the era of the Space Marine, like the, the Take Cover Space Marine. Yeah. It was there, that Fracture game and stuff like that. Oh, yes. Um, for now, though, this has been the Entitled Banter Podcast, the UBP, the UBP, the UBP. I've been joined by Cy White. Please don't hate me. <laughs> we never could. And Josh Brown. <laughs> Please don't hate me either. Feel free to hate me and we'll catch you throughout the week. Goodbye. Bye-bye. <laughs>